We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It's presented by us, Rotowire. Uh, our sponsors have officially had enough of Ken and Shannon. They are off the podcast forever. All of our sponsors have been dropped. Uh, this is now an independent podcast. If you like this podcast, head over to rotowire.com slash pod. You can see at the bottom of the screen if you're watching on video uh, for a free look behind our paywall. You get like a seven-day trial, I think, of our premium features. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to give us a thumbs up. If you like the pod, subscribe wherever it is that you listen. Uh, it is February 22nd, 2024. Today, we're coming off of our first slate of games following the All-Star break. And I'm joined by Kieran Sprecher uh, for the first time making his podcast debut. He is one of our NBA editors, uh, which is doesn't mean anything to anybody because uh, they don't know what you do. But I will say this. Uh, if you've read a single NBA news update on Rotowire in the past two years, it's like a one in five chance Kyrian wrote it. Um, you have, I, I don't know if you know this, if you can, if, where you can find this on the NBA, uh, on our Rotowire internal database. You have 11,700 NBA notes to your name, which is the sixth most in company history. Uh, and you're doing a lot more behind the scenes than that. So I'm happy to have him on the podcast today. How are you doing, Kyrian? I'm doing great. Thanks, Alex. That was a great introduction. <laughs> um, I I used to be more aware of uh, the number of notes I had written earlier in my career. And now that I'm an editor, I, I check it like once a year. But I think I'm still like 50, like I, I need like 10,000 more to even crack like the top five. So that six is going to be there for a long time. But, you know, hopefully, you know, a couple more years and I'll, I'll get to that 20,000 mark. Yeah, I'm I'm right behind Nick. I think I need like a hundred to pass Nick. I really have to, I should just make like an end of the year effort just to, just to get ahead of him. But this, uh, this is a, this got me down a rabbit hole the other day when I was looking this up between Nick, Nick Whalen, who people who listen to this pod know who that is. Kieran, me and Jason Shabilsky, one of our other NBA editors. Uh, the four of us have written more than 15% of Rotowire's NBA notes since the dawn of mankind, not just this year. But since the company was founded in 1997, we are responsible for 15% of the notes written, which is crazy. I, I can't even uh, believe that. Uh, but I want to jump in. This, I promise everybody who listens to the pod, this will be the last time that we talk about all-star festivities. Uh, I feel like you get like a week buffer and then it's over. So I have three questions for you, Kirian. One, do you like all-star weekend? Because apparently this is a controversial topic. Some people just hate it. Two, did you like this all-star weekend? And three, is there anything, if you did not like All-Star Weekend, maybe or even if you did, is there anything you would change 
about All-Star Weekend? I do like the All-Star Weekend. It's not my favorite event. I always tune in for at least some of the events. Rising Stars Challenge, three-point contest. I always give the dunk contest at least a little bit of a chance and see where it goes. The All-Star Game itself, it's always fun to watch for a first the first few quarters. Um, watching guys chuck from deep, Damian Lillard hitting half-court shots, that's always fun to watch. But then when it starts getting into 20-point game and there's going to be no competition at the end, uh, I kind of tune out. So I do like it. I did like this one. I didn't necessarily like the All-Star game itself that much this year. I tuned out halfway through the third quarter when the league got big. I really enjoyed Sabrina versus Steph. I hope they do more of that. Yeah. I really like the Rising All-Stars or the, the Rising Stars um format. That was super fun. Matherin and Ivy going at each other. And getting all of those young players like incorporated and playing on a stage like that's really fun. You know, you see Matherin like really shine in that moment. There was a funny bit with uh Halliburton and Miles Turner and Matherin. They won the the uh skills competition or whatever as a team. And Hal Burton's like, you know, team, we're a good team. We're like, we're the Pacers. This was fun. And in Indiana to win this thing, it was the highlight of my week. He's like, I'm not sure about Benedict because obviously he got the MVP of the Rising Stars. And that's more of an individual thing. So I like that. Um, Matherin getting to show his, uh, his star power if he ever gets a chance to do that. If there was one thing I would change, I think, I think the three point contest is the, the, uh, like the golden nugget of the weekend, right? And that yep. should be the final thing. Um, like it should come after the dunk contest. Like I feel like the three-point contest happened, Sabrina versus Steph, and then the dunk contest and the, all of the air got let out of the balloon. So that's like one minor tweak. But overall, I'm not like that big of a cynic. I do understand why people like tune out of the All-Star game. I feel like a lot of the the hatred towards it comes from better sadly who are like i'm gonna bet on the all-star game you know and then they're watching they're like what's happening this is terrible and so like you know don't bet on the all-star game maybe <laughs> but nick, nick, nick was talking to me about he bet the all-star game and he was like i'm never doing this again uh but he bet i forget i think he hit a couple on threes overs i'm like that's the move if you're gonna bet the all-star game bet on everybody to go over their three pointers because everyone just gets up to half court and just chucks it um I, I agree with you on the three-point contest. I mean, I love the dunk contest. Dunk contest is my favorite event. It always has been. I love the creativity. It's a lot of fun. It's worth all the bad dunks to get, like, one dunk you've never seen before. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's actually – it might serve better as a warm-up to the three-point contest. Uh, I do I, – I agree with your take about the Rising Stars. Rising Stars has become almost more fun than the actual All-Star game. Um, but yeah, I remember last year, last year when I was watching the all-star game, I was sitting on my couch and I just found myself like scrolling my phone for most of the game. Not even like that engaged this year. I, uh, I checked the highlights. So, um, yeah, as on the NBA app as it was happening. So yeah, it was, it was fine. Um, but let's get into some real NBA news. Uh, we have, uh, unfortunate news for everybody who has been rostering Onyeka Kong. We're waiting for a breakout all season. Not only did Clint Capella not get traded, we have a Kongwu out for the quote foreseeable future now. Uh, I guess my question is, do you think we're basically just going to get a variation of what we saw when Clint Capella was out? Because Capella was out before the All-Star break. We saw some more Bruno Fernando for like 10 to 18 minutes. 
Kong Wu was playing 30 minutes, and then Jalen Johnson will get some minutes at small ball five. Do you think the same thing is basically going to happen with a Kong Wu out? Capella plays more? I guess my follow-up to that in a way is like, can, can Capella even handle 30 minutes a game at this point for the rest of the season? Yeah, we've been waiting for the Kongu breakout for years, it feels like, um, but it hasn't come quite yet. Uh, he was budding, but it's it's sad to see him go down. For what the Hawks' rotation is going to look like, I think obviously it's safe to expect more of the same. I do think that uh, DeAndre Hunter's presence will be a big factor here. He was he was also out when Capella was or um when Okongo was out earlier in the season. So if you can run out or run out Jalen Johnson at the small ball five more often, and then you have Hunter and Bay at the two forward spots, that's a, a still a small lineup, but I feel like that gives them a lot of uh, size in the front court at least to like combat that. And plus, I feel like that's just like the highest upside um, front court that they can throw out there. So I would personally like to see that. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen or that's what I'm predicting what's going to happen. It's a safe bet to assume Fernando's going to get that 15 minutes per game sort of deal. I would like to see him more closer to 10 with Bay and Hunter and Johnson all 30 plus, but well, I, that would be the most advantageous for fantasy managers, obviously, because Bay and Hunter and Johnson are all rostered in a lot of leagues. Um, so I, that's what I would hope and like expect out of Atlanta. But realistically, we're probably going to see a lot of Fernando, which reduces the fantasy value of all of those guys I mentioned. Yeah, Fernando might be worth adding if you're in like a super deep league. Um, I'll have to double check on, on Atlanta's schedule to see if they have. I'm pulling it up right now. They only have three games uh, this next week. So it's not like a great streaming opportunity. DeAndre Hunter, who you mentioned, having good, had good back-to-back games, 20 points in back-to-back, but only played 28 minutes in each. So, yeah, this may be a situation where it's just it, it's just bad for everybody. Like, it's just bad for a Kong Wu. If you're rostering him, I guess it's good if you have Capella. But um, speaking of big men, Isaiah Stewart suspended three games due, uh, due to an altercation with Drew Eubanks that he had. I think it was in the parking lot. I, I don't exactly remember. Uh, they dropped the they dropped the charges, uh, but the league still suspended. Uh, it has suspended Stewart for three games. Uh, Pistons did not play yesterday, so that is upcoming. Uh, Stewart hasn't played since January 28th. Has not played in February, so this is mostly just like annoying if you're rostering him. But I, it's a good chance to talk about the Pistons because he will return eventually, very soon. Uh, and so, how do you think? his presence when he comes back into the rotation is going to affect how the Pistons look post-deadline. Totally. Real quick, my little conspiracy theory is maybe Isaiah Stewart would have missed even more games with this ankle injury, and they just kind of boosted him to questionable and kind of nudged the NBA to be like, hey, he's going to be playing soon, so you might want to suspend him. So they they might <laughs> just totally get away with him still being injured and then having to serve the suspension. I have... I have no sources on that. That's that's totally conspiracy theory. Um, you know, Isaiah Stewart's a solid player. Um, him moving to the four with Jalen Duran there um, has opened up more three-point opportunities, but then has reduced his blocks. So he's still kind of like stagnant as a fantasy uh, option. As for how the rotation will look, don't get me started on Monty Williams, man. I, I had a lot of faith in him turning around Detroit. I wanted to 
I gave him a lot of credit for what happened in Phoenix. Um, and then, you know, we won't get into all of that. And I, I still had high hopes for him. This season has been a huge disappointment all across the board. Um, he recently said, I'm, I'm done with prioritizing development and we're going to win now. And then in the first game following the All-Star break, he benched Cade Cunningham in the first quarter and they proceeded to go down by 30. If, if you're trying to win now, you got to play your best players, man. And then Cade comes back in the second half and they make it kind of respectable or whatever. And I get he's trying to make a point like we're going to win now. I'm benching my best player. everyone. But then you're bringing in Marcus. I like Marcus Sasser, too. But like you're bringing in these guys off the bench and it's just not it. It's not Cade Cunningham. He, I'm not saying he's an MVP candidate or anything, but he's your best player and he's going to give you the best chance to win games. And he showed that when he got an opportunity. So Money Williams saying like whatever he says to the media, you can't take it. Um, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Fontecchio has been playing really well at the four. Obviously, he's probably the one that moves to the bench when Stewart comes back. Then you also they also added guys like Fournier at the deadline that will that add shooting that they haven't had. Um, I think Thompson still gets like I don't I don't think he gets pushed out of the rotation completely when Stewart comes back. He's been playing really well. And as Monty Williams says, we're not we're not going for development any, anymore. You probably should be at this point. So I'm not really sure what any of that means. I would just probably stay away from all Pistons outside of Cunningham, Ivy, and Duran. Um, those guys are pretty solid right now. You can trust them. Outside of that, yikes! It, it, it's going to be ugly. Stewart coming back probably has the biggest impact on Fontecchio, who was probably being picked up in deeper leagues around this point of the season because of his three-point shooting and his the minutes that he's played since being traded there. But We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, Fontecchio is a good streamer. A good streamer for a lot of the season. Um, yeah, I was I was looking through their their recent rotation. Uh, clearly, they are trying to win because they're playing veteran Evan Fournier, uh, proven winner. So I think you know I think when Stewart comes back, yes, Fontecchio could move to the bench. But if you look at their you know if you look at their average the team's average minutes over the past like let's just say three games basically, um, you know you got again like eighteen to twenty minutes for Fournier sitting there. Um, Shake Milton's been playing like 10 to 15 minutes. Troy Brown's been getting minutes. Muscala. It's like, I think these guys can all just get their minutes cut. Stewart can come in for 30 minutes and all the guys that we want to play will play for the most part. Uh, but yeah, make sure if you, if you're rostering anybody from the Pistons, just to keep an eye on what happens when, uh, Isaiah Stewart does come back, uh, before we move on to our next news item, I do want to say thank you for all the questions in the chat, everybody. We will get to those in about five, 10 minutes. Uh, we'll do a quick, uh, questions. We'll hit qu- questions and then we'll go to waiver wire after that. Uh, we also got some more news, uh, from the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, their mash unit. Desmond Bain likely out until mid to late March is the latest update. And then Marcus smart will be reevaluated in three weeks. That being March 27th. I respect that Bain really wants to come back. Um, he shouldn't, he should not come back. It doesn't make any sense. I think the only argument, cause you don't want to get him hurt for next year. Right. I mean, forget this year, but just like, they're going to be competitive next year. Don't get him hurt for next year. I think the only argument for, for like wanting to bring Bain back is Memphis might be basically locked into their draft spot where the potential win-loss change of Bane playing versus not, I don't think it matters that much because they have, so right now they have 20 wins, the Grizzlies do. Toronto also has 20 wins. They're tied for the sixth worst record with Memphis. But they owe, Toronto owes their pick to the Spurs if it's seven or farther out, which I could not believe they gave up this one to six protected pick for Jakob Pertl. Insane. Um, But then way below Memphis is Portland with 15 wins. You're not getting there. Charlotte is 14. You're not, you're not reaching Portland or Charlotte with 15 wins. Like those guys are going to outlose you the rest of the way. Brooklyn has 21 wins, but they owe their pick to Houston. So they have no incentive to tank. Houston has 24 wins, but they owe their pick to OKC. So they're trying to win too. Uh, Atlanta also has 24 wins. So that's like the only team. Uh, long story short, you know, people love to listen to me rattle off uh, standings over, over audio. Uh, they love that. Long story short, what, <laughs> If you're a fantasy manager, you you roster somebody in the Grizzlies, you roster Bain, you roster any of these uh, guys who have emerged for the Grizzlies. What what does this update mean to you? 
pretty much what we expected from the beginning, right? They're if they're going to come back, they're going to come back in the final weeks of the regular season. However, even if they do come back, they might be limited because why would you want to risk two of your better players that could be key players on a competitive team next year? Also, they just might never come back and the deadline or the return date might keep getting pushed back. As a fantasy manager, I mean, if you have them like if you are rostering them and you have access to an ir spot you probably already have them in those slots and you can keep them there you know without uh any risk if you have another so say you have like julius randall and desmond bain i'm probably dropping desmond bain with yeah. the, like hoping julius randall comes back before desmond bain i don't really know if there is really anything any like other examples like that don't really come to mind. I'm totally content keeping these two guys in the IR spot, hoping that they come back for maybe like a postseason, a fantasy postseason run. But I wouldn't be expecting that. And if you need another, if you need access to that IR spot, uh, you probably can drop these guys if you're trying to make a push for the playoffs. If you're a contending team and you're like, I'm going to make the playoffs, you can probably still hold them. But if you're like, I need to win these next couple of weeks or I need to move up in the standings you probably can move on. Yeah, and you mentioned Julius Randle there. We had a question in the chat. Jay Hang 20, what to do with Randle? Is he even tradable? I don't think he's tradable. No. Um, I think you should hang on. I mean, the hope is that he can, like, maybe come back in early to mid-March, but we just haven't gotten great updates yet. He hasn't resumed basketball activities. Um, so I think, optimistically, you'd probably be looking at mid-March. Yeah. Um, it's tough to say. I would just hang on. I would just hang on in your IR. I don't, it's, it's too, he could come back too soon for you to, you know, to be worth dropping him. Uh, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, all right. Two final news notes before we quickly get to questions. Kyle Lowry made his 76ers debut last night. Gorgon Hayward made his Thunder debut. Lowry's was much better. Played 25 minutes, five of seven shooting for 11 points, five rebounds, uh, excuse me, five assists, four rebounds. Took minutes away from campaign, a little bit from Buddy Heald, who was playing like 40 minutes a game. That was absurd. Gordon Hayward uh, for the Thunder played 14 minutes. It was horrible. Zero points and over two shooting, four rebounds. Interestingly, we saw Jalen Williams, the big, was a DNP CD um, with Gordon Hayward in the lineup. So something I was not expecting to happen there. Eddie, I mean, uh, do, do you have any takeaways from that, uh, from both of, either of those situations? Kyle Lowry was playing, man. He that 25 minutes is a lot. He was really efficient from the field. You know, obviously his shooting comes and goes. With Joel Embiid out, the Sixers are going to need all hands on deck. And he's one of their, arguably one of their best players at this point. I'm not condoning picking him up off waivers yet. I still like Maxi and Heald and Harris and Ubre to kind of like lead this offense. But the hometown kid is going to get a lot of minutes down this stretch run until Embiid comes back. And they are struggling, and they're going to need all of the veteran experience they can get. So keep an eye on Lowry. I'm not ready to pull the trigger off of one like mediocre performance. But it, it, was, a, it was a good first game for him, for sure. Hayward, offensively, you know, he hasn't played in a long time. There's a lot of rust. He, I was impressed with his defensive uh, ability. Uh, he was moving around well. He looked fluid. He he fits that system well. I was also surprised that Jalen Williams was the one out of the rotation. Um, I think 
Hold on, let me check quick. I think uh Um, yeah, sorry, I lost it. Uh I think Giddy also played fewer minutes. Yeah, if Giddy played only 23 minutes, that's kind of been like his role. Uh so Jalen Williams was really the only one like majorly infected by that, uh by Hayward's presence. I assume he's gonna be getting more towards that 20 minute uh mark as he gets more acclimated to his new team. To I will stay away from Hayward for now, but keep an eye on Lowry. Yeah, but D'Anthony Melton allegedly is going to come back soon. That's going to maybe affect his minutes. Hayward, I think he was just getting acclimated to the offense. You mentioned it. He had it played in a while, so I won't be surprised. I still believe he's going to be 20 to 30 minutes a game when he's fully like integrated. Uh, but yeah, you don't want to. Not an encouraging performance. No. Uh, we also have final news item here. Jordan Poole came off the bench last night. Uh, interim head coach Brian Keefe said, it's really a positive. It's actually a credit to Jordan. Jordan's been one of the highest net ratings since I've taken over, and I want to see more of that. This gives him an opportunity now being in that unit to be the lead handler, lead decision maker, and kind of be our offensive engine. That is true. I'm just not sure. <laughs> it's just crazy to me. We're benching him. It's actually, that's great. That's good. He's playing so well that we had to bench him. He's too good for the starting lineup. That's the problem. Uh, anyway, Bilal Koulibaly started for him last night. Pool. If you're in a points league, you're not that mad about this performance. But in a category league, he did shoot four of 17 uh, for 18 points. Koulibaly didn't do much. Four points uh, in 32 minutes. Does this really change anything for you? Or is this just uh, maybe more shot volume for pool? Minutes are basically the same. You know, I, what do you think? Yeah, I think minutes basically are going to stay the same. He still played 30 the shot attempts might not be a great thing if you're in category leagues. Like that might be even worse than what he was doing before. Um, I still like Jordan Poole as a, as a player. I have, I hope he can turn it around. It's, it's a, a mindset thing. I think for me, he's got all the skills, Washington, Kyle Kuzma is really the only one that we need to <laughs> care about there, there for now. Um, Poole has had success off the bench, though. Uh, some of his best games during the Warrior, during his Warriors tenure came off the bench. So I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of finds a groove with the second unit, kind of like a, you know, a show, like, you got benched, so now you got to show me. And he, he kind of plays well in that role sometimes. So we'll see. Don't have the highest expectations, but points league. Yeah. Points league, I'm, I'm still probably ro like rolling with him with the shot attempts, but category leagues, if I don't I don't trust that field goal percentage at all. No, and you know, if you're looking to stream anybody from the Wizards, they only have three games next week, not ideal. I mentioned Kispert, you know, on the on the pod last week, playing well. Same with Avdia, although Avdia just had five <laughs> points after he scored a career high, so that's a, that's a classic move. Uh but yeah, let's get to some of these uh, listener questions. You got a ton of them in the chat. We'll try to get to all of them, but uh, we don't want to run too long. So apologies if we don't get to yours. Um, Ian has concerns about DeAndre Ayton. He's in a nine-cat, 16-team league. Would you trade him? Would you hold him? If trade, what rank range? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be weary of anybody on a team like, you know, Portland or Charlotte or like any of these bottom feeder teams, any uh, guys like Aiton. Aiton's not really a veteran. I guess that's the only saving grace here, right? Aiton's, Aiton's not really a veteran. Um, 
I don't know, Kieran, if you if you had eight on a team, I don't know if you do. Are you trying to move off of him? I do not have Aiton on any teams. Um, I probably am not. Tr- I mean, I would send out some feelers. You, but I don't know really like what kind of reception you're going to get from your league mates. Uh, he before taking away his dud in the final game before the All Star break, he was averaging 19 points, 11 rebounds, and one block over his last nine appearances that appeared in nine of the last ten games. That's pretty solid production. I don't think anyone's going to like trade you a guy that's going to like match that production. So I, I, I feel like there's a hold unless you get like a great offer. There is definitely concerns about the shutdown and your league mates are probably concerned about that too. So it, it all depends on what kind of return you can get. If you're going to trade them for like a GG Jackson, I like that's, it, it just doesn't seem like an advantageous move. Like on either side, I, I, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to be like, oh, I want to get Aiden and overpay for him. So I think you just roll with the production he's given you. Right. In, in leagues where you're punting turnovers, he's ranked 59th on the season and actually 24th over the past month. If you can get a top 60 player for him, I, that's fine. You know, that's fine. If you have some, if you have more confidence in somebody, but I, I wouldn't be freaking out to move off of him. He's 25 years old. Um, maybe they'll actually try to feature him more down the stretch. It's a, it's a bit of a risk reward play, but that's a good question. Uh, thoughts like Isaiah Hartenstein is Mitchell Robinson coming back. Uh, Hartenstein had been dealing with an Achilles injury, had missed a handful of uh, three games before the break, just came back, uh, last night, played 11 minutes. Uh, ever, they're going to be careful with Achilles injuries, right? So uh, do I have concerns? I have mild concerns, but he also reached 30 minutes before, is Mitchell Robinson coming back? I would guess probably not before the fantasy season is over. Um, I will say, because it's an Achilles injury, I would sell high if you can, if anybody's willing to trade for somebody who's just played 11 minutes off of an Achilles injury. Uh, but I wouldn't worry about Mitchell Robinson, at the very least. I would totally agree with that. Hartenstein has been a darling uh, after Robinson's gone down. Uh, the 11 minutes off the Achilles injury, there wasn't any reported setback, so I'm not too concerned with that. Paul Reed also played only 22 minutes with the Sixers running out a small ball lineup most of the game. So the, the Knicks kind of probably were just like, hey, you know, we don't need to push Hartenstein. We'll just run Precious or uh, Toppin or uh, Jericho Sims out there at the five. So I... I I'm still like holding on that 11 minutes wasn't like he suffered a setback or he's only going to be playing 15 minutes for the next week. And it was just kind of like the style of that game. Um, Yeah, we we've gotten this question a lot. Um, Is Embiid a safe drop in a playoff schedule week 22, 23, 24? I saw this question and believe it or not, I did the prep work. Uh, Week 22 uh, begins March 25th, and right now we have Joel Embiid's estimated return date based off of reporting as April 2nd. So that, that and that would be the early portion of his return date. So if I'm you and my playoffs start March 25th, they go April 1st, and then their final playoff week, if you get to the finals. Uh, is April 8th through the 14th. Even if Embiid comes back, let's say he comes back April 8th, 
Um, is he going to be playing 30 minutes a game? Uh, is he going to be playing? I don't, I don't know what their back-to-back schedule is like. I apologize for not having that off the top of my head, but uh, I would not. I don't think you'll lose your league if you drop Embiid. That's what I'll say. I think you, at some point, you just need to get production. I totally agree. The only caveat that I have is the Sixers are two games away from falling to the A seed. Uh, after that, there's a big like the play in tournament. They're you know they're just going to be stuck in the play in tournament. Uh, that's the way it's trending now. I don't feel like they would. If they're falling in that direction, I don't think they rush and beat back to be like, let's get the sixth seed or, you know, so I, I, I think he's a safe drop. Um, you got to get production eventually. If you're trying to make the playoffs, you're trying to win, holding on to Embiid does nothing for you at this point. When he does come back, he's probably going to be limited and they're just going to, they're, they're not locked into the play in spot, but they're essentially locked into the play play in spot. So there's no reason for him to come back like early, early to make it that big of a difference. Uh, Glenn says, should I pick up Gorgon Hayward? He just dropped Duncan Robinson. Unfortunately, I have bad news for you. Uh, I'm suggesting Duncan Robinson as a pickup this week later in the show and Gorgon Hayward played badly. I still think Gorgon Hayward's a decent long-term pickup. If you're in like a 16 team league, I do, I do not hate the idea of a flyer on him, uh, but it's, uh, it didn't look good for him. Um, Anyaka Holder drop. We talked a little bit about Kongwu earlier. Uh, I'll say I'm leaning with be- it being fine that you drop him, but what's what's your opinion, Kieran? Yeah, I, he wasn't going to be a league winner anyways. Um, obviously, double-double production. He was kind of like stealing more minutes away of Compella, so that, that would be nice, but I think he's probably a, a, a drop at this point. Uh, Jay Sizzle wants to drop Walker Kessler for either Asar Thompson or Grant Williams in a nine cat, 10 team head to head. Do you have any insight, Kieran? Hmm. It depends. I mean, Grant Williams is uh, raining it from deep right now. If you need help and if you think you can win games, if you can get if you can get help in the three point category and that will help you win games, uh, I think Grant Williams is definitely in the move there. <clears throat> we talked a little bit about Thompson may losing minutes when Isaiah Stewart comes back, so I feel like Grant Williams is the safer play. I'm also it's a little foreshadowing. I'm also highlighting him in my waiver wire pickups. Well, let's let's get to those waiver wire pickups. Thank everybody for the questions. We'll hit some questions after our waiver wire section to close out the show. Uh, so stick around for that. Uh, as always, or, or for people who are, who are new here, the these waiver wire suggestions, they're all under 50% rostered on Yahoo. And uh, at least one of our suggestions will always be under 25% rostered. Uh, but I know, Kieran, you have a list of like four or five, a handful of guys who are still under 50% rostered that we continue to recommend to people. So why don't you uh, list those off for us? Yeah, so we got Trey Mann at 47% rostered, Keontae George at 45, Marvin Bagley at 49, and Gigi Jackson at 41%. These guys are all still below that 50% threshold that we're trying to hit um, in Yahoo Leagues. And they've been mentioned in numerous articles on Rotowire. I've heard them in numerous podcasts. These guys have varying skill sets, but each player can make an impact in both points and category leagues. So I don't think there's like really much discrepancy there. If I had to pick one, I'm probably rolling with Gigi. Uh, he's been phenomenal recently, and I'm just kind of riding the hype train. 
Uh, although I will add that Keontae George is like my breakout for next year. Like I think he he's going to be awesome. The Jazz are, are kind of like bringing him along slowly this year, but he's he's going to be a cornerstone for them for a long time. I just don't know if that's going to happen in the next six weeks. Memphis, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I, I just remain shocked by Gigi Jackson's efficiency considering how garbage he was in college. Yeah, <laughs> from yeah no, it's amazing. And Memphis has nothing to lose with rolling them out. We talked about Smart right. and Bain coming back, and it's like, why bring those guys back and risk injury when you can just see what Gigi has to offer and Vince Williams, uh, Zaire Williams. Like, they got, they got a lot of young guys that can get minutes. The other caveats are... Trey Mann could see a reduced role if LaMelo Ball comes back. I don't know if that's going to happen, um, but it's just a possibility, which knocks him down a little bit for me. Bagley's double-double production is nice, and he has a safe floor with Gafford in Dallas now, but I just don't really want to trust any Wizards outside of uh, Kyle Kuzma. So I'm probably rolling with GG out of that group of four. Uh, okay, let's, let's get into the meat and potatoes here. I'm going to go – my first suggestion is Trey Murphy of the New Orleans Pelicans, who's about 50% rostered. Uh, but I wanted to, I, I just wanted to highlight him, even though he's you know a, a little higher rostered than some of these guys. Dyson Daniels um, quietly was playing like 20 minutes a game, like every single night for the Pelicans. Out for at least a month with a meniscus injury, probably more than a month. Um, Daniels, he, missed the, he has missed the past four games, which the Pelicans played last night as well. They, they blew out the Rockets. Uh, in those past four games, Trey Murphy... 15 points per game on 44, 34, 78 shooting, four rebounds, 1.5 assists, two steals and two blocks in 30 minutes. The minutes are really encouraging. I think the efficiency will increase because he shot 48, 41, 91 last year. So uh, I think this is going to uptick. So I, I think Murphy could average like 16, 17 points a game for the rest of the season. Not to mention uh, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, both injury prone. Um, Ingram sat last night. We know about uh, Zion's injury uh, history as well. So I think if you're, he's probably, Murphy's probably rostered already in like 95% of competitive 12 team leagues. But if you're in a 10 teamer, he might be out there. And I think, yeah, I think he is worth a pickup. Absolutely. I totally agree. And one other thing I would add there is the Pelicans are hot right now. And uh, when he's, when the Pelicans are playing well, they get open looks for shooters because they attack the paint so much. So I think Pelicans are hot and you ride Murphy while you can. Uh, who is your first waiver wire suggestion? So outside of those top four, um, I'm going to roll with a, another one of my favorite guys that I, I was really high on before the season. It hasn't quite uh, happened yet. Maybe we're getting a little bit of that now. Rui Hachimura, uh, he started seven straight games. He had a career-high 36-point performance before the All-Star break. He's averaging 16 points, four and a half rebounds, nearly two assists and 1.4 stocks when playing at least 30 minutes this season. He's done, that's he's played at least 30 minutes, 12 times. He was a key part of the Lakers run to the Western conference finals last year, which was why I was high on him coming into this season. He scored in double figures in eight of his 16 appearances during that stretch, including four 20 point outings. And then he just hasn't really gotten that type of run this year consistently there's been some moments when LeBron sits or you know someone sits and he gets extra minutes um but it just hasn't been consistent I last night well he didn't have a great performance I think he was the only starter and uh that didn't score in double figures but I really think he benefits from 
point guard LeBron. I think when point guard LeBron is when LeBron is playing point guard, that opens up more opportunities. And LeBron really likes Hachimura, and Hachimura can be really efficient as that like third or fourth scorer. It's a risky play, um, but I think it's a, a play that you should make if you're trying to like push for a playoff spot. If you're in that like you're right out of the playoffs and you think you can go, he has a really high ceiling, probably a, a decently low floor though. But he's a he's a risky play that could pay off well in the end. Yeah, I, I, you know, when Hachimura was in Washington, I was, I was kind of a Hachimura hater. I was like, I don't, I don't really get it. Um, but he, I mean, he was awesome in the playoffs last year. Really physical, great, got hot shooting. Um, I agree. It's, I mean, it's a, you know, considering his, he's a pretty twenty-two percent rostered for a guy who, look, he could explode and have like thirty points in, uh, not thirty points in a week, like thirty points in two games, or you know, he could get you fifty points across a week or something like that. So. That is a that is a good option. Uh, my second suggestion: Duncan Robinson of the Miami Heat, twenty eight percent rostered. Uh, this is more of like a week, uh, like a next week streamer rather than necessarily like a long term pickup because what we have is Terry Rozier remains week to week. He did shed his brace recently, although I don't think he's been doing a ton of work. Josh Richardson still out with the shoulder injury is going to be reevaluated next week, but they basically I mean, he basically have no guards. Aside from Tyler Hero, who I think missed uh, uh, missed their most recent game, uh, Jimmy Butler just came back. But the past three games for Duncan Robinson, nineteen points. He's shooting sixty percent from three, uh, three point three assists, two rebounds, and one steal. Again, you want him for the threes. Uh, again, mostly a streamer for next week. The Heat have four games, so throw him in for next week. And get your I don't know sixteen three pointers, uh, and then see what happens after that. Totally agree. Robinson's been a, a very solid play at at points during the season, and next week is definitely one of those where he has a lot of opportunities. My next guy, we already alluded to it a little bit. I'm going with Grant Williams. In four games with Charlotte, he's averaging nearly 19 points, five and a half rebounds, two assists, and he's shooting 49-93-43 uh, shooting splits during those games. Uh, shooting regression overall is likely. He's never really pushed 50% for a full season, but he shot above 37% from deep in four straight seasons. So I don't think that the three-point shooting is going to wane as long as the minutes are still there. His peripheral stats are sporadic, 10 and eight rebound games, but then he just had four rebounds in the other two. So that's kind of a little bit concerning. Doesn't get many assists, occasional steals. I think he's a safer play. Um, I don't think that, you know, the Hornets might start to tank bench guys, but like I don't think they're going to be prioritizing Leaky Black and Davis Bertans over a guy like Grant Williams. You know, you want to give Williams some as much as many minutes as you can to like at least stay somewhat competitive. I think this is a great move for a team that's probably like in the middle of the the postseason right now, or like they're in like the middle of the postseason standings. Like you, you're probably going to make it. And you just are looking for a little bit of boost uh, in that three-point percentage if you're in a cat league for that championship run that you're looking to make. Yeah, this is, I think, mostly a three-streamer move. But he is he's being more aggressive on offense. I mean, double-digit shot attempts in every game that he's played for Charlotte. Um, his free throw rate is way up since getting to Charlotte. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've i been pretty – I was critical at the be very beginning of the year. I was like, you need to sell high on Grant Williams, like today. But now he's he, the role is is expanded. So I'm I'm not going to be as critical about him. Uh, Hornets have four games next week too. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you mentioned that. So uh, stream them stream them in for sure. 
Uh, my next player, Amen Thompson. Uh, Houston Rockets, 43% rostered. This may seem counterintuitive. It, it is a little bit because Fred Van Vliet just came back. Um, but Thompson played 28 minutes off the bench last night. He had 22 points, five rebounds, four assists, three blocks. I have to note, it was a blowout. The 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 Rockets were decimated by uh, by the Pelicans. So, you know, it's hard to say how many of those minutes were complete garbage. But what I, what we do know is Ime Adoka, he, he, he's talked about this all the time. We know it from him as a coach. He loves energy guys, loves guys who play hard on defense. That is Amen Thompson. Um, I also think there's a chance that Tari Eason just does not play again this season. The injury, they keep, it, his injury situation's getting weird. It's in weird zone uh, with how how dodgy they're being about it. But yeah, it's po- it's possible that uh, Amen plays 19 minutes next game, completely on the table. But so keep that in mind before you pick them up. You know, if you have Sunday waivers, uh, you know, see what happens. They play again. I think they play again on Sunday. Uh, so keep an eye and see what happens. But, but he, got, he could still be worth rostering the rest of the year, I think. Absolutely. I like both of the Thompson brothers. Uh, I think Eamon has a little bit higher of an upside right now, but I, I would be totally fine rostering him. Uh, so my last one, I'm also rolling with a, a rookie. Uh, he got his first career start last night, near double-double, one rebound away in 26 minutes. He's played over 20 minutes five times this season and averaged 10 points, four and a half rebounds and one steal. So nothing like too crazy. But I just like want to stress the importance of a rookie starting the sec- the first game after the All-Star break. That yep. this isn't this isn't just like a, a one-off. This isn't like, oh, we got some guys resting. This was a decision made after a week plus off, and they're like, we're going to give this kid run. Um, Sensabaugh also got minutes off the bench, so they might just be having like a little bit of a youth movement. Um, but I, I like Taylor Hendricks for this stretch run. He's probably available in nearly every league. Uh, he has – it's a stash play. Um, I don't know if you necessarily want to start him next week. You kind of add him for a couple – waiver wire dollars and hope you get him he plays four games in three of the final four weeks so this guy could be you could get this guy off waivers right now and he could be offering you double double production during the fantasy playoffs that's a really high upside but there's also a really low floor i'm rolling with the jazz like making this concerted decision to start him and rolling with him over the next six weeks i think you can get a lot of value there yeah, for for posterity, you know, Utah kind of soft tanked at the at the deadline. They soft pulled the plug. Uh, it's like halfway out of the socket, but they they owe their pick to OKC. Yeah, I still think that you're right in the sense that I think they will just prioritize development. Yeah. Like they, I don't think they care that much about making the plan or anything like that. So I I don't think I would consider it like a tank. Yeah. But yes, I think they are going to to throw Hendricks out there. Who, I mean, per thirty six, you know, his points numbers aren't that aren't that. Uh, amazing or anything, but it's 1.4 steals, 1.2 blocks, two threes. So, like, if you're in a category league, it's a three and D with some rebounds upside, and that's that is great stuff. Um, so, good suggestion there. Um, my my final uh, waiver wire suggestion. I got we just can't quit him. TJ McConnell, nine uh, percent roster off the Indiana Pacers. I was actually shocked to see his roster rate this low. Uh, his role at the beginning of the year fluctuated a ton. You know, Halliburton was in and out, Nemhard, blah, blah, blah. Halliburton's off his minutes limit now. So why why am I suggesting TJ McConnell? He passed seven games off the bench for McConnell. 
10 points on 59% from the field, 5.4 assists, 3.3 rebounds, and about a steal in, yes, only 18 minutes. But five assists, a guy off the wire grabbing you five assists, 100% worth streaming on a 12-team roster with the Pacers on a four-game week. And in 16-team leagues, he should probably just be straight up rostered like for the rest of the season because he he could give you 20 assists in a week uh, easily. There's not a lot of guys on the wire that are going to give you 20 assists on a four-game week. So um, I I just think he should be – you got to look at him as a streamer in, in shallower leagues and just add him in a deep league. Absolutely. The Pacers score so many points and have so many players <laughs> yeah. like in the rotation that you can't go wrong. And he's uh, – He's just like a professional. He's so efficient when he's out there. He knows how to get to his spots. I, I love the pickup. Um, okay, let's get to some final uh, listener questions. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, before we close the show out, uh, Admiral, I uh, definitely recognize Admiral, uh, listener to the show here. Thoughts on Michael Porter Jr.? Is he a hold in 12-team category leagues, or would you drop him for someone with multi-cat upside like Keontae George, Trey Mann, Paul Reed, et cetera. So basically, like, would you drop a low ceiling guy, you know, for like a, a high ceiling guy? The, the risk versus reward play here. That's interesting. I I love the Nuggets. I think they're in great position to make a push for this number one seed. I think Porter is going to be a big factor in that. I'm um, knocking down threes. I, I don't know if you're like – he hasn't really struggled. Obviously, like you, you said, he's a, he, a one-trick pony. He he makes threes. Um, yeah. I'm probably just rolling with Porter for now. I do like Trey Mann and Keontae George. Uh, Paul Reed, obviously there's production that, to be had while Embiid's out. I, just, I, I'm, I think I'm just rolling with Porter here, though. Yeah, I would, I would definitely not drop him. I don't think I would drop him for Reed. I don't think I would drop him for Keontae. And even Trey Mann, I think Trey Mann is the high, maybe has the highest upside of all these guys. But at the same time, uh, I don't know what's going on with Lamelo. Yeah. I just don't know. Um, I think he, I think you know, man's worth picking up. I think he could have a role when Lamelo comes back, but um, hard to say. I would, I would keep MPJ. Uh, Trayton wants to know: uh, Would you drop Gafford, Chris Middleton, or Amen Thompson for Asar Thompson? And this is in a points league. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll mention this for Gafford. It's a, a, a decent enough news item. He came off the bench uh, in the first game after the All-Star break um, behind Derek Lively and played 17 minutes, had four points, five rebounds. Just did not play that well compared to his previous games. So uh, does that, I mean, are you? is that enough of a sample for you to be like, you know what, I, I don't know about Gafford. I don't think it's enough of a sample for me to like straight up drop him. I think there's a lot of value there getting boards, blocking shots and getting lobs from Luca and Kyrie, but I am hesitant. I, I, this is a tough question, man. Uh, I, I, Chris Middleton is probably the one that I'm going to be picking just because he literally hasn't like played consistent that that 30 minute role this season. Um, So there's just a lot of risk there. But this is this is tough. Gafford, you got to see I th- how many more games does Washington have this week? Do they play again this weekend? I would assume so. I would like monitor that situation, see what what Gafford does again. If the, if it's another situation like this, I probably lean more towards Gafford because Middleton has the higher upside if he comes back soon. But if Gafford 
gets 20 to 25 minutes and it's more of a timeshare with lively then i'm probably rolling with dropping uh, middleton yeah i think i think broadly to answer this question i don't think i would feel like compelled to drop any of these guys for a star i don't think you have to i don't think this is like a league winning move that you're potentially making um Van Dam wants to know Asar Thompson or Grant Williams for 10 team points. Lee, we kind of talked about both of these guys. Um, I think Asar probably has higher upside, but then Isaiah Stewart's coming back. It's just, uh, I think this is a pick your poison. Yeah. Thompson definitely has the higher upside. It's just a matter of how many threes Grant Williams can make. Who to drop to pick up Chris Paul. Uh, he has uh, Mike Conley, Iota Sunmu, Trey Mann, or Walker Kessler, um, I don't, I don't think you have to drop any of these guys for Chris Paul. Um, I don't know what kind of league you're in. Oh yeah, see so nine cat. Uh, I'm looking farther. Nine cat, ten team. I don't think you have to do it because Chris Paul basically all year was barely a top 100 player, and I don't think that's going to necessarily change. When he comes back and all of these guys that you listed, Conley, Tasunmu, Trey Mann, Walker Kessler, even though Kessler's minutes are down a little bit, they all can play at a top 100 level. Yeah. Um, but but what do you think? I mean, do you think it's worth a risk for like upside on Chris Paul? There's no way I'm uh, dropping AO or Trey Mann right now. Those guys are super high upside plays that probably in your starting lineup uh, no matter what right now. I think Conley and Chris Paul are pretty even uh so then kessler falling out of the rotation a little bit but like you said top 100 upside if he is playing 20 minutes and getting those blocks so definitely do not need to make this move at all if i had to pick one i would probably lean towards kessler but then that gives you a lot of point guards i don't know how that helps your roster uh matt wants to know would you trade Kyrie for towns head-to-head yahoo points uh by the way i you know i i both of us playing a lot of uh, competitive leagues that trades don't necessarily happen a lot. I would say I love so many of these trade questions in the chat are amazing. Like guys are doing blockbusters left and right in, in, in leagues. And I'm not saying your league, Matt is not, is not like a, a high stakes serious league, but I just, I love that so many people are active in the trade market. And the high stakes, it, it makes you like, you don't, you don't want to be the guy to mess up. And so right. I feel like that always like plays into it a little bit. This trade is amazing. I feel like we could do an entire hour long podcast on how it would affect each team. Um, I'm probably rolling with Kyrie right now. The Mavs are getting hot. They added um, a bunch of other weapons. One thing I would say about Dallas right now is, you know, Derek Jones, Josh Green, PJ Washington, Lively, Gafford. All these guys, they added so much depth that I don't necessarily think it helps any of those depth guys, and it's only going to help Luca and Kyrie. I think those two are going to become more efficient. Uh, the offense is going to be seamless during the stretch run, and then it's just a matter if Jason Kidd will ruin it in the playoffs. <laughs> to me, this is close enough for uh, just to note. Uh, Kyrie averages on the whole season about, I think, three or four more fantasy points per game than Towns, so it's pretty close. For me, this is a wash. Like I, I think it's just based on need. Like if if you if you're more if you're thinner at center, if you're thinner at guard, do whatever side of the trade you know makes sense for that. That's that's how I feel about that. Um, 
Uh, James wants to know, should I drop Cam Whitmore, Jabari Walker, or Jordan Goodwin to activate Hartenstein? Need to drop one. <clears throat> um, first of all, yes, you should absolutely drop one of these guys to, <laughs> to activate Hartenstein. Which one? Um, you know, Whitmore. Whitmore's kind of hot and cold. I don't know what his role is going to be when, you know, because Fred Van Vliet just came back. He's mostly only a points guy. Jabari Walker is like a category league guy um, who's like kind of showing some stuff. And Jordan Goodwin's like a 10-day contract. Um, so which uh, – are you leaning any particular way on this? I'm probably going reverse order. Uh, Goodwin would be my okay. number one guy to drop. Jabari would be my number two, and Whitmore would be my number three. Um, like you said, Goodwin might not be on the team in a couple weeks. Uh, Jabari Walker fell out of the starting lineup. Silly season could – bring him back into like top 100, like flirting with that maybe. And, you know, I did, Cam Whitmore is fun. If you already are rostering him, you might as well just roster him for the stretch run because there, there's some there's some hope there for a, a, an insane breakout, but that's a long shot. Uh, Ian wants to know, is Bruce Brown a drop in 14-team nine-cat leagues? Probably. I mean, it's just all year, it's just been like, blah. You know, it's just he hasn't given us that much. Even with Toronto now, he can't he can't score double-digit points in like three consecutive games. Some games will give you no assists. Some games will give you four. It's just, I, I don't think it's gonna, he's going to have any sort of like breakout, you know, to end the year. Oh, man. I, so I, I didn't realize this. I'm looking at his box scores now. Uh, so end of January to like the beginning of February in three games, he totaled seven steals and five blocks in a three game stretch. Since then he has four steals and no blocks. <laughs> That's concerning uh, for a guy that probably assumed he was going to get traded to a contender. Um, yeah. I'm probably dropping him. He, he just gave was, up. Yeah. <laughs> like he, this is a guy that should be averaging at least a steal per game. That's, that's a bad stretch. Um, I'm totally fine dropping him. Uh, side note, Grady Dick might be getting more playing time down the stretch. Uh, he hasn't really gotten an opportunity. Raptors need as much three-point shooting as they can get. So, yeah, I'm probably dropping Bruce Brown. Yeah, and they traded for Abaji. Yeah. Um, so that's that's an option for them, too. And for some reason, I still am holding on to hope for Gary Trent. Um, <laughs> Had a good uh, game last night. Uh, he Hey, he has a good game uh, once in a while. Uh, Jeffrey wants to know, is Daywon Shopper stash at Brooklyn start silly season? Yes. Always. Capital Y, yes. I've been Daywon Sharp is one of the best uh, per minute fantasy producers around. Um, per minute, he ranks 74th in 8-cat. He also averages 1.3 fantasy points per minute, which is a, an elite number. Um, this is absolutely yes from me. I totally agree. I'm I'm all in on Sharp. It's going to come eventually. <laughs> Hopefully. <maybe>. <laughs> <laughs> Completely dominant rebounder. Insane per 36 numbers. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be awesome. Um, all right. Looks like we have about three more questions here. We'll hit those then and then dip out. Views on Melton and Aldama. Melton's injury is uh, concerning to me, but he will play tonight. Uh, Nick Nurse said he'll play Friday, so that's good. But it's a back; it's some sort of like hair. It's like a stress reaction or something from his back. So 
that always concerns me. Uh, I think he should be rostered because I think there is a chance he'll play like, you know, what he was seeing at 29 minutes a game. And he was ranked uh, 87th and 8 cat. So I would say roster him. Um, do you have any takes on Aldama who, uh, you know, Aldama has his good games and he has his bad games. Like, wait, do you want to roster him? General thoughts? Um, points league, I'm I'm fine rostering Aldama. Uh, category league, there's the shooting isn't that efficient. He's his assists have been pretty nice recently. Uh, had a season high seven assists in his last game, so that's 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 a nice boost. But he hasn't scored in double figures in three games. Shooting efficiency is a concern. Uh, hasn't had double digit rebounds since January second. I think. Melton is more of a wait and see for me. Aldama is, you're not going to be getting anything more than what he's been doing. So if, right, like, the, the, he's, Aldama is pretty stagnant. You know what you're getting. And Melton is a wait and see. Um. Okay. Uh, Luman, sorry if I mispronounced your name. Lillard and Vince Williams or Fox Mobley, 14 team, nine cat head to head. I don't know if you're asking whether you want to start these guys or whether you want to, whether this is a potential uh trade offer uh let me double check these let me double check for if it's for the upcoming week uh the bucks my games of the bucks have here three games grizzlies have four games kings have three games Cavs have four games so uh game counts essentially the same um any strong thoughts on this, whether it's like a start sit question or a uh, if this was a trade question? Um, yeah, if this was a start sit question, I'm probably rolling with Fox and Mobley. Um, trade, I would be in, be curious. Um, Fox is not a great free throw shooter. Um, I have him in our stake league and he's been a huge producer for me, but the, the free throws has been a, a major issue. He missed his first two free throws last night. Um, he, and for a guy that goes to the free throw line a lot, that's not great. Mobley has been better at the free throw line. Um, I think Fox and Mobley is the higher upside. I would just be worried about that, that free throw percentage. I think Lillard, I just want to put it out. I think Lillard's going to be just fine. I don't know if the all-star break is going to like, rejuvenate him or anything but i think lillard and the bucks will be just fine uh lamont says it is a trade question um i think i would rather be on the fox mobley side i i your concerns about his free throw percentage fox's free throw percentage very legit um you know i and vince like vince williams has been awesome and lillard should he i think lillard can only play better let's put yeah. it that way yeah. But I think just the floor is higher on Fox Mobley because I I just like who knows with Vince Williams. Like what if Bain and Smart do come back? Yeah. Like I don't I don't know. Uh, I think I would rather have Fox Mobley. But it's I think it's close because Vince has been really good for a long time. It's a lot closer than it should be. I'll, I'll yes. say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um all right. Two more questions, then we are officially out of here. Trading away triple J and uh, who is RW? You, you got this one for me, Kieran? No, I do not. For Siakam and Keontae, is this favorable? You're gonna have to tell us. Uh, you're gonna have to tell us who RW is. I'm I'm sorry, I can't I can't decipher this one. Rob Russell, no, no. Russell Westbrook, Robert Williams. <laughs> Robert Williams will be awesome. Um, 
Uh, Royce O'Neal, Russell Westbrook. Okay, I guess yeah, Westbrook. it's got to be Russell. Trading away uh, uh, Triple J and Russell Westbrook for Siakam and Keontae. Is this favorable? That's tough. It's Grizzlies silly season could get underway, but that's been silly season the entire season, and JJ is still <laughs> playing. Uh, Siakam, like we said, the Pacers just score a bunch of points. I, he hasn't really like like exploded yet, but Consistent production, and I've already mentioned how much I like Keontae George, super high upside guy. Um, I would be re- willing to roll the dice if if you feel compelled to make a move. Um, if you're sitting at the top of the standings and Jackson has been a baller for you, you don't need to move off of him. But I think that's my tip. That's all I got. Yeah, I I think I would lean Siakam and Keontae here. I think we agree that Keontae should be rostered in like 12 team leagues, almost all leagues. And I don't feel that way about Russell Westbrook and triple J and Siakam. I think have similar trajectory or potential upside general fantasy value. So I would, I would lean Siakam Keontae. Um, final question here. I appreciate everyone who's, who has asked us uh, questions. It's been, it's been a fun pod. James wants to know Royce O'Neal worth to pick up in a 14 team, 12 cat league. Uh, I want to say yes, but uh, what do you think, Kieran? I mean, he what, he's yes, played. I, I'm I'm absolutely rolling with him. Um, okay. Nurkic got benched last night. Uh, Drew Eubanks is <laughs> a non-factor most of the time. The Suns are going to want to spread it out. They're going to want to shoot threes, even if Bradley Beal comes back soon. Royce O'Neal is going to be seeing 25 to 30 minutes per game off the bench. He's going to get you some steals and defensive production. He is going to hit you some threes. I think he's definitely should probably be rostered in a 14 team league. I would be happy to have him. Um, you know, you're not going to get crazy points production or anything, but it's just going to be solid production across the board that can help you in numerous categories. So maybe if you're, only in search of like one need and he doesn't fill that one need, then he might not be a move. But if you just are looking for a, a solid play to get production f- to replace an injured person, I'm absolutely making this move. Uh, and this is actually our final question. Drello coming in hot. Uh, got the, he, we, he got, we gave him the red light warning. He came in hot. So I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, he wants to know why Colin Sexton's minutes are low, relatively speaking. Um, yeah, I mean, let's say let's just take over the in February. In February, he's averaging 27 minutes a game. Now he's still giving you 21 points and five assists. So I assume Jarello, you're like, hey, <laughs> I have this guy on my roster. Why can't he play 36 minutes and give me 28 points a game? I think it's just because it's a combination of they want Sexton to buy in on both sides of the ball, and I don't think he has the energy on both sides of the ball to be like giving 35 minutes a game the way they want him to. So they're like, we'll just play him this. He'll go all out. And that'll be that. I, I think that's totally fair. You would rather have 26, 27 minutes of Sexton at 100% as opposed to 20 minutes of him at 100% and 15 minutes of him at 80%. He He really relies on that energy to make an impact across the board. So it is disappointing, but it, I feel like in the long run, it's better for his efficiency. All right. That will officially wrap it up for us. Um, Thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you for all the questions. They are great as always. Uh, Once again, as you can see on the screen, if you're listening on YouTube, rotowire.com slash pod, 
for a free look behind our paywall. Don't forget to like this video. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, the podcast, where we find the podcasts. Uh, and that will wrap it up for us. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Had a pleasure. Thank you, Alex. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.